Welcome to the Bible Pre-Share, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Pierce. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. And... And uh, America's finest and only institute of higher education in the Buddhist tradition, Naropa University. It's almost like... It's almost like Europa is the redheaded stepchild of your ministry. Wow. Hey, I just picked up a new, ever... a new Naropan. We now have two students who go to school at Naropa who are part of our community. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's right. <laughs> oh, do you ever have um do you ever have conflict over between the two two schools? Who are you caring about more? Who are you giving more attention to? Mm. Uh, is that Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why do you ask, man? <laughs> because it certainly happens. Certainly happens in my ministry, man. It's like the annual meeting season here over at mm. the Marsh. We just finished our annual meeting. <laughs> and it went uh you know, it could have been a lot worse. I thought it went uh, went went okay. Uh we had a we got a good plan for twenty eighteen. It's a kind of a bold plan actually. Uh I'm excited about that. We're going to talk about some new things, which is always exciting. Uh, so, yeah, I think 2018 is going to be worth it. But, man, you're always, anytime you do the assessment of your ministry, it's just like, okay, somebody somebody always feels neglected and somebody, uh, yeah, always, always, man, crazy. Mm. Yeah, man, I had I've, I had a bummer of a weekend, man. I've had a bummer of a couple, yeah. the past couple of weeks. Kind of, on one hand, like kind of riding the, the high of pulling off another national gathering for Lutheran student movement. But I've been sick for like two weeks now uh, with the flu uh-huh. and then a cold. And that's just a bummer. And like the semester starts whether I'm sick or not. And we got like, this was the year it was going to be different, right? Where I was going to be on top of everything. And that's not happening because of being sick. And then getting some like complainy what I would harshly call whiny emails and input and stuff. And like, just like, come on guys. Like, let's, let's be cool, man. But then today, yeah. Matt, I've had a great day today. I, uh, really fun things that happened to you in ministry. We got to lift them up when they happen. Cause lots of times it's easy to focus on the mean email I got on Friday. Um, uh, but so I was meeting someone for coffee on campus at nine o'clock and met them and that went pretty well. Uh, and while we were sitting there, a professor who I've known on campus and we've connected some things, he stopped by and saw me and said hello. Uh, and he was with a colleague who I kind of met before. And then one of my students walked through the coffee shop uh, and I was meeting with somebody else and we talked to them for a while. And then another student came by and another student I knew came by and I did lunch with one of my students who's studying abroad. So I spent the whole morning not being very productive, but being reminded, I think, of, like, how cool is this, like, I remember in the first, like, years that I was here, especially in that first year, like, I feel like a complete loser because I walk across campus and I know, like, three people out of these 30,000 people. How do I get to know these people? Mm-hmm. Um, but to be reminded of this, like, network that I'm a part of and maybe get some credit in saying in building. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's the, um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting stage in our ministry because I feel like, 
Uh, so I've finished, I'm in my seventh year at St. Mark, finished six years. And so I feel like I've been around the, I mean, I haven't been on the block, like somebody's getting ready to retire, but like I've been through a couple of cycles. So like you get those emails, you get those complaints and it's like, you know, that it's just like a, it's a season, it's a, it's a storm blowing through kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet it still, still sucks. Uh, and yet at the same time, like, yeah, you just start to feel like, hey, I kind of know what I'm doing. Kind of like, like, okay, like I've got the network. I know who I can reach out to, all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, I'm also feeling, I, sorry, I had this little, this is a preaching, little preach. I mean, I use it in my sermon. I don't know if it's really a preaching insight, but uh, one of my goals for this year is to do uh, a one-on-one with everybody in my congregation. Mm. Or at least every family, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of sit down and check in. But I use the the kind of scriptural lens for that is that I use the uh, I use the creation story like uh, six days six years of creation uh, take that seven that mm-hmm. seven Sabbath and not really so we kind of pause from the the doing 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 and mm-hmm. pause and just take some time to listen uh, in those one on one kind of at the last minute and then I was like it kind of works jubilee man <laughs> jubilee right yeah yeah, yeah. I like so. that. But I, but I, like, I did a couple of one on ones, um, especially with my counsel, just kind of starting to do that. And I was like, damn, this is like the most, uh, valuable thing. Like, anytime I did a one on one, I was like, that's the most valuable thing I did all day. So I hear you on that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So we're moving into, uh, we're also, so, um, I'm moving out of annual meeting season and into, uh, we're actually going to be talking about the text for February 4th. So, at St. Mm. Mark's, that's Black History Month. We're into February now. Oh, my goodness. Oof. Oof. I know. Uh, I can't believe it's hard to talk about Black History Month. Gosh. Is that a big uh, thing in your, <laughs> your neck of the woods? Well, <laughs> we, for the first time in like 25 years, had an on-campus observance of Dr. King uh, Day. So that was good for us. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's a big deal on campus. It gets recognized and stuff. Um, but again, the African-American community in Colorado is not... Um, not very large, but even with that, it's even less representative. Uh, there are 30,000 students on campus in Boulder, and the numbers that I have above my desk are from 2015, and back then there were um, 693 uh, students who were African American in the student body out of 30,000. Wow. That's really small. That's really small, and it includes a pretty sizable athletic department. Um, where, <laughs> wow, I'd say at least a hundred of those folks are in the athletic department. Um, if you just go off the football team and the basketball team, and um, wow, so that's always a challenge for us. Um, yeah, how we observe Dr. King Day, how we do Black History Month, how we talk about uh, stuff we need to talk about along lines of race when we're in an environment where we don't have like really natural conversation partners um, and respecting that like they don't owe us um, all of their time and energy to talk to us, you know, um, and figuring out what the best ways for us to do stuff is. So a lot of what it's looked like has done been like going to Chicago um, over New Year's has been probably the most effective way we've we've engaged in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my students had a really interesting experience around that at the LSM gathering. 
they were de- we were debriefing it in the car on the way to the airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was good. It was good. So, yeah. so um, anything it- else going on with you now that we're we're moving oh. on this uh, this Sunday this time? This we're just time getting into the getting into the groove for the semester worship wise. Um, I like the spring semester. The spring semester is distinct from the fall, not just in that it's at a different time, according to the Gregorian calendar, um, but it has a totally different feel. Uh, I think I'm, ter- I'm coming around and I'm really liking the spring semester for ministry. Uh, the fall is so hectic with all the welcome back stuff. There's so much excitement and energy and it's over before you know it, um, but everybody settles into the routine. There's less fanfare to begin, and you can kind of like, because I think to me that's the part of ministry I enjoy most is the, the everyday sort of, being in a routine in a community with people, um, mm. and we get to that a lot quicker, I think. Yeah. And then strangely, I travel a lot in the spring, somehow. Every yeah. year. Yeah. So. So I have to weather uh, my uh, spousal uh, observations of my travel patterns uh, over the next couple of months. You not only do you travel, you try to talk me into traveling. What? You should come with me, Matt. They should. Be, <laughs> Matt, uh, Hannah and Chris should be mad at us together. <laughs> Where are you going? What are your? Uh, oh. What are you travel? Yeah, travel plans. Uh, one of the my favorite trip that I take any any year is uh, in the wintertime, our campus ministry colleagues in region one and two. So that's like the northwest and southwest part of the country, the west. Uh, we it's called a conference, but it's that's really your, that's your favorite one. That's my favorite trip. Uh, Why is that your favorite trip? Because it's more of a retreat than a conference, really. Um, uh, we go and we hang out and we don't have any pressure to do any business. When we have like our national staff conference in the summer, I feel like we've got all these people here. I've got like several hats on there, things that I need to do while I'm here because I need to, I need to get Chris Hevener in a room and get him to commit to doing this. And like, well, Brad's going to be here. So Brad, I need a student from Brad for LSM. So I can't let him get away. Um, and to do all that stuff, which is just the chance, um, for three days, three nights to to spend time with colleagues. Um, and we've talked about it before, being a campus pastor. Um, you don't have colleagues. I mean, you have colleagues. I have very like clear colleagues, but they're mostly very far away from me um, and mostly far away from all of us. We don't get to spend a lot of time with, with people who really understand what, what it's like to engage deeply in the work. Um, sort of spend that time in collegiality without having to do the work that you always have to do translating translating what your ministry means and mm. all that kind of stuff is just invaluable um right. i most look forward to that one um and because you are always there you've never not been there at that <laughs> one so that's I've only, I've only come only got one well maybe that's true but uh this year's in sacramento matt and uh boogie cousins and the pelicans are going to be in town playing the kings we're going to sacramento i've never been to sacramento uh i'd like to consider myself like a somewhat of a an expert on uh on the central valley california but that's a part of the valley i've never been in it's a big valley i'm gonna learn something new uh yeah so i do midwood uh the winter staff conference at west i'll be in sacramento 
spring break always happens in the spring, strangely enough. Uh, and for us, that's a big part of our program and that it's a place where students are able to deeply invest in the community, oftentimes for the first time. So our spring break trips in the spring have a lot to, to say about what our community is going to look like in the fall when people come back. Um, so this year we're taking students, we've got a group of, looks like 12, 14, up to Holden Village. Um, so I'm going to be doing that. Have you been there before? I've never been before. Oh, I love it. I went there once, twice. I yeah, know. you were awesome. yeah. I love it. So we're going to take a plane to Seattle and get in a van and go up to Lake Shalane and stay in the hotel. And yeah, the it takes forever to get there. Yeah. Our our friend and listener, Scott Thalaker, Thalaker, I don't know how to say his name because I've mispronounced it so much. Uh, at Utah State, Logan talked me into it because he's, cause I was like, I don't know if we want to spend all that money and only get to spend a couple of days there because they're just going to be traveling the whole time. And he was like, that's the point you moron uh that it's a journey it's a pilgrimage and we're going to be there during holy week so uh i'm excited to see what that is like um uh and we're going to take that holy week journey really literally um with a big group of folks so so that's cool um and then this year uh evidently i'm going to coachella uh which is a music festival (laughs) in southern california it's a work trip uh so um Yeah, so my spouse is always very supportive of weeks and weeks of travel for really hard work stuff. Like, you've got to go to Holden Village for a week. you got to go hang out with your friends and colleagues in California. You've got to go to Coachella. It's hard, you know. It's hard on all of us, really. You should just you should send her out to L.A. for the book test the following weekend. That, that, Matt, now you're <laughs> on to something. It, it's like Christmas Coachella. You know? It's like, yeah. Because what did I do? I did it once. I had a retreat, and I sent her out to L.A. for the, the marathon trials. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. yeah. She was super pregnant, and I was going to be away again. For like, <laughs> like Valentine's Day. Too. Let me remember the Valentine's Day, I feel like. <laughs> oh, uh, good idea, Matt. I like it. Here mm-hmm. we are, Vinyl Preacher. Not only do you get a playlist and we talk about the text, but we work on my marriage. And so I... <laughs> I appreciate that. I am doing a couple of like premarital counseling things right now with uh, with some alums, uh, what? so that's fun. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll tell them to always send their spouse away as a way of making things better. I we're um, we're being really focused on the vinyl preacher today, but I'll just I'll just keep that track. I'll just keep that track going. You're not alone. My my most difficult uh, time of travel is in the summer. And it is, yeah, it's pretty brutal with the family trying to be like, oh, it's, it's just three weeks, but you're right, I'm never around during those three weeks. <laughs> so we were talking about, like, well, next year, maybe you should just go to your mother's for the whole, like, <laughs> one of those things. Well, there's always a season, man. There's always yeah. a season. That's what we've been doing lately during staff conference with the baby is uh, Hannah goes back to North Carolina because I'm gone that whole week in June. Um, that said, Matt. One more distraction, but a little more connected to the text. I believe February 4th is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, is it really? I believe so, because this week they'll be off. And then, yep. Um, what is – does that – it affects West Coast churches, I think, more than it affects East Coast churches. Because um, of the time, perhaps. I don't know. What does well, it look like Well, the weird thing is your, that, like – the thing about LA is that everybody has adopted. Yeah, there are some Rams fans, and maybe that will grow. 
But um, mostly what I experienced is that because we didn't have a team for 20 years is that everybody just adopted teams from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have some diehard past fans that are going to mm. be really, really excited. Um, I know I have diehard Broncos fans. It's not relevant this year, but, like, in years past, mm-hmm. I went to the Super Bowl party. And, oh, my, I've never seen decorations like this for the Broncos <laughs> were in it. And then, uh, oh, I got some Packer fans, too. Hmm. Too bad they're not. But, yeah, so I've got my past fans. I know they're going to be excited. Um, but it's got, like because everybody just adopts other teams, right? So, Mm-hmm. yeah that's the whole thing this year we're just gonna we're gonna march through it i think um because we worship on sunday nights uh that's right which is, yeah for which you. Is during yeah, the super really bowl um, you're gonna do it gonna worship yeah we're gonna do it um, <laughs> it's okay to cancel worship when there's a football game we do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> i normally look to um house does it really well the house for all sinners and saints down in denver because they're Sunday night worshipers and they make a big deal out of it and like kind of a play to the anti-football crowd. Uh, Counter-programming. Uh, yeah. And our people are not casual football fans um, for the most part. The years, because we've had it happen twice where the Broncos have been in the Super Bowl here in Denver and that's been much harder to to figure out. And most half the time, it's me. Like I care more than like any of my students do. And I'm like, "There's this big Super Bowl. I want to go to. I want to this crappy worship." But mm. there it is, the Super Bowl of preaching. Well, that's good. Maybe that'll be a backdrop for this. Uh... That'll be the backdrop. And so we can get to the, the heart of the podcast, Matt, where we um, pick out the musical acts that should be playing at the halftime show of your service on Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, I am kind of excited that the Super Bowl is in Minneapolis at that at the new stadium, which I've seen pictures of because I know I have like Facebook president soda. But like, it's like a fight. There's like a Viking ship thing. Like, it's supposed to mm. look like a Viking ship. Is that it? Have you seen this? Like, there's like the front of the ship is like in front hmm. of the stadium, and it's like this cool kind of Viking. I don't know. Interesting. Don't know. I've seen pictures of it, and nobody <laughs> explained that. Explained that to me. <laughs> so I don't know if that's. It may or may not be relevant. Anyway. Like a church. Uh, I mean, if it was still a like a church, story. right? Like lots of churches are like boats. The hulls of boats in the that's some of the imagery they use, right? Oh, you could yeah. Yeah, you could play with that. Uh so yeah. Is it time? It's time for the text? It's it's past time actually. About five about five minutes later. Help us. Oh my gosh. Uh so um you said you read all the text. You want to start with the gospel? Or you want to start somewhere else? Where you want to start? I want to start with the gospel. I think the gospel okay. gospel's the meat. So uh, I was thinking about. This. So you've been sick for a couple weeks. Have you thought about calling Jesus? Because apparently uh, he's got some kind of supernatural Tylenol. That's, it, what, that's basically what's happening, right? He's just sick people who are sick. The key, Matt, is um, I've been looking for Jesus during the daytime, uh, but. Turns out Jesus doesn't work work during the day. He works nights. Uh, so I need to go back to the doctor at night. <laughs> is that when this is happening? That's right, Matt. Uh, we're still still in the first chapter of Mark, miraculously. We're in February, Matt. We started this new year of Mark back in November, I guess, right? Um, 
and we have reached the November, December, January, four months in, and we're still in the first chapter of Mark. Uh, and we don't, we're not finishing it today. Matt, we are not finishing it today. There are 45 verses in the first chapter of Mark, and we're only going through 39. Um, when we last saw Jesus, he was in the temple. He cast out a demon, and everyone said, my goodness, who is this guy? Um, what does this mean for us? And so he leaves the synagogue, and um, he does not dilly-dally. Uh, he goes directly to the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, some people we're supposed to know. And uh, Simon's mother-in-law, what had happened was Simon got sent to his in-laws because his wife was traveling for work. Um, <laughs> and she was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about his mother-in-law at once. She's in, she's in bed with a fever? She cannot go to daycare for 24 hours. That is right. She has influenza B. They're going to shove that Q-tip so far up her nose uh, to test for the flu. She can't go to daycare. She's at home. She's in bed. And Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, I'm assuming like above her head, above his head, like a figure skater. Uh, and when he did that, the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Moves to serve. Interesting. So that's kind of episode one. We got two episodes here. Or three episodes. This is a three-part series, a trilogy. Uh, and then that evening, later that evening, at sundown, Matt, uh, people heard about this. Words spreading throughout the countryside. That's how we ended in verse 28. Uh, and they brought to Jesus all who were sick and possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. The entire city, that great city, not Nineveh, but a big city. Uh, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because, we talked about this last week, <laughs> the demons knew him. The demons always yeah. know who Jesus is. And in the morning, Matt, we moved to episode three. While it was still very dark, before the sun came up in the darkness, still Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place. And he prayed. And we get this kind of bizarre talking past each other. Uh, and Simon and his companions searched for him. They buscandoed for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. And Jesus answered. They said, everyone is searching for you. And Jesus says, let us go to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there. For that is what I came to do. And so they do. Um, kind of a weird exchange there. They're like, hey, why did implied to me? And Simon's question is, Hey, why are you out here in the dark by yourself? Everyone's looking for you. We're worried about you. And he says, let's keep moving. That's what I came here to do. Which is really Mark's answer to just about any question you ask Jesus. If you ask let's Jesus for some exposition, moving. he's like, let's move to the next town. I came to proclaim the message. Mm. So a three-part story. Before next week again, another healing where Jesus is going to heal a leper that time yeah i mean it's amazing i mean you this uh this first chapter of mark i mean if you go back to last year at this time you're making your way through epiphany and you're getting sections from the sermon on the mount mm -hmm. um i mean i think this contrast is just so like it tells you a lot about the difference between uh say mark and matthew for example that in matthew like you get these different sections of a sermon and it's a really powerful sermon with lots of memorable images and all that good stuff. But it's uh, it's basically a really long speech. Uh, in Mark, uh, not a lot of long speeches. A lot of just action, action, action. Let's keep moving. Let's do another thing. 
And it's really relevant, I think, but for what Mark is, uh, how Mark, I guess to say how Mark is communicating the gospel. Right. Um, for those of us who follow the cross of Christ that is embedded into the portico wellness wheel, my accent almost got me there and I would have blown the joke. Wheel, wheel, the wellness wheel. Uh, Jesus, not a good example again today. Portico, our rates are going up because of Jesus. Um, is the wellness wheel like the wagon wheel? Like, is there, Can you rewrite the lyrics to that song? <laughs> Rock me, mama, like a wellness wheel. Real smooth. Come so I can get enough rest tonight. Uh, Jesus, when's he sleeping, right? It looks like he's staying up all hours of the night healing every person who comes from the whole city. And then he's up before the sun rises to go pray. Um, Jesus is not slowing down, man. Nope. What happened to self-care, man? This is... He's going hanging out with sick people? He better... <laughs> He better have gelled in and out of that room, you know. <laughs> oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. So, um, so, all right. So, three, three stories here. A little, little trilogy. So, we looked at the when I was in um this last week at at my adult Bible study. We actually read the whole first chapter of Mark, and it made me realize. And maybe we talked about this last week, but. Um, that Jesus is showing up in a bunch of different places. Um, and he's, so like two weeks ago, he shows up at the disciples' workplace. I mean, that's basically what's going on. They're, they're at work and he shows up and calls them. And then next week he shows up at church. He shows up at the synagogue um, and casts out a demon. And now he's showing up at a home. Um, I mean, these are three like primary places that mm-hmm. people would gather, right? Workplace, home, church. And Jesus is showing up at each one of them in a almost a systematic fashion here in the first chapter. Um, I think that's relevant that he's showing up in each of these places. Mm. Um, I mean, as soon as they left the synagogue, uh, they enter this house. Um, so she's in bed with a fever. Uh, he comes and he heals her. What? Um, what, do you, what do you think about this healing? What do you make? What do you? What do you make of this? I think there's a couple of things you could draw out of this first um, first part of the story. Um, it's always important to note how Jesus heals people. Um, mm. And so so that's kind of what I'd key in on here. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Um, somehow in the um, Jesus what is, man you know of action. Greek for that, lifted, that lifted her up? Is that like, um, is that one of those that shows up again in like a really, I want to say, this is what I want to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, dear listener. You just think out loud. Is it the same as when, like, there's the dead girl and he goes and lifts her up? Or is that mm-hmm. a different... Am I thinking of a different gospel, different story? Interesting. Let us figure this out, Matt. <laughs> In real time. In real human time. Let's hope that Nick is not on vacation yet. Uh, verse 31. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. What? I'm gonna grab my Bible. Keep keep, keep talking. Hmm. 
Uh, so, looking into the word a bit, it is the Greek word um, egyro, egyro uh, which means to awake, to arouse, or to raise. So, it's what? used a trillion times in the Gospels, uh, 144 times. So, I don't have enough time to to dig through it all. Let's look up each one of those. One at a time. But, Yeah. It is often used in the Gospel of Mark as to mean mean to awake, awaken. Um, so it, it it definitely is the same as in um, Mark five forty one, where he raises um, the daughter of Jairus from the apparently from the dead. Apparently from the dead. Matt is skeptical. You are right, little girl. I say to you, get up, arise. And again, this little boy, the little boy that this well. If he's dead, and Jesus takes him by the hand and lifted him up. This is, wow. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So, you could tie it together with uh, the daughter of Jairus um, in Matthew 5, like 41. What was the other one, Matt? Little boy? Yeah, that one is uh, 927. 927, same word, uh, lifted him up, and he arose. Um, hmm. It throws a bit of a wrench into where I want to take this, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> where do you want to take it? Where do you want to take it? We'll tie it all together. Uh, well, uh, let's finish with this first part, right? I'm gonna, I would emphasize, I think you can play with the idea that Jesus took her by the hand um, that Jesus going to her in her feverishness, uh, like Jesus going to the daughter of Jairus and the little boy in their deaths, is Jesus coming to them and really emphasizes Jesus as the primary actor, the one who does this work. Um, the other kind of uh, interesting thing that you could play with at the end, a little harder to make good news, uh, that when she is lifted up, when Jesus does this, um, it is done... Um, it's part of this pattern and rhythm where she moves to service upon being raised, brought to this new life, and she began to serve them um, as a model for what the full circle of life in Christ looks like. Yeah, and I pushed that a little to say, um, on a first reading, like it almost sounds like, hey, these guys raised up this woman so that she could serve them. Yeah. <laughs> Our imbalance of power. Uh, I, I think I just want to be a little bit attentive to that reality, but I think that you're absolutely, I mean, like, obviously like that. I think that to think about this, yeah, is like not just, um, you know, he gives her some power and she feels better, but he really restores her to her, to, um, to life. I mean, to life in the community and what does life in the community look like? It looks like service. Um, I think, I mean, I guess I find it helpful. Um, one of our, uh, one of our, what would you say? Let's say, um, <laughs> one of our catechumenate teachers, uh, Paul Hoffman would say to look for the death and resurrection in the text, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're going to find that baptismal imagery. And I think, so I look at it like this. I mean, here's a healing, but this is more than just a, you know, make her feel better that day. This is a this is a death and resurrection moment already happening in Mark. This is the thing that Jesus came to do. Um, and what does death and resurrection look like? Um, again, like it's not just life after death; it's it's a restoration. Um, 
some whole performance to wholeness. Uh, I think we could we could we could emphasize as well how I don't think we want to lose how dangerous this first part of the story is. Um, to uh, oh, oh. In dangerous a, what danger in an ancient culture you would not hang out with someone with a fever. Um, because we didn't understand how things work and we don't hang out with people with fevers now. That's why Jesus or, or, or Simon's mother-in-law could not go to daycare because it is dangerous. You will give that, uh, that virus to someone else. Um, I, uh, a way that I might talk about it is in, in some of the serious running circles that I've been in a stereotype, a common story about really serious athletes is that they, keep like literal distance between themselves and other athletes who are injured. Um, just because when you're so deep in it, you are worried that it might be contagious. Uh, even if it's like a, a broken bone, right? Like that there's something wrong with them and it's not going to help me be better to be around them. Um, I don't want to be reminded of the possibility that I could be hurt. Um, and I've seen it, right? I've seen it happen. Um, and so you have Jesus going, uh, we've gone through all these dramatic call stories, uh, follow me, come and see, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus, if we want to, uh, uh, you can, we can lift up that, like that, uh, stereotypical female, uh, service role. Um, but Jesus has called all these people and he's calling them to come, um, to take the sick, the dead, the dying by the hand, which is a really radical thing to say to him. He's, he's, he's called them into service. Which makes yeah, some... and and maybe to flip that. I mean, if you could flip that, um, flip it on its head, right? To say that, like, I mean, here's a person that is at the absolute bottom rung of society, right? Not only is she a woman, but she's sick. I mean, this is the easiest person to write off, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of writing her off, she just goes directly to this person um, that the world at large would have written off and uh, pulls her in to equal status with all these other servants. Right. Yeah. I think you can flip that upside down and really make it an empowering story, you know. Boom. I like it, man. I like it. And here's my connection, right? Yeah. Because I am into Jesus doing this stuff in the dark. Um, the next two, the last two parts of this three-part story all happen in the dark. At evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed. It sets the stage. Uh, the curing of everything that's going to happen is going to happen at night. And even Jesus' quiet uh, isolation, praying, that's going to happen in the darkness. We're going to hit it, the social science stuff again really hard here. Hard to underemphasize how afraid people were of the dark. Um, they experienced dark in ways that we cannot experience. Um, the day ended at sundown because... You didn't have any light to see to do anything. And also, you didn't see what anybody else was doing in the dark. And so it was fearful. Uh, people were afraid to go out at dark because that is when you would be unprotected by whatever might be out in the dark. Animals, other humans. Um, it is a place filled with fear. For good reason for most of human history. And Jesus uh, is incredibly active in the dark. With Jesus just doing stuff in the dark is incredibly radical um, paradoxical thing to say that the one right that that if we're going to go into the breaking bad metaphor the one who who knocks oh matt i just found it i just found it i've got a great cultural reference for about eight years ago <laughs> who's the one who knocks uh jesus is the one who knocks that's uh we're always 
in Breaking Bad, there's the whole thing. You should look it up on the YouTubes uh, where uh, Walt's, Walt's wife uh, is worried that they're in danger and he like makes it's when he makes the complete turn to evil uh, where he assures her by saying, no, no, I am the one who knocks. Uh, don't be afraid of the one knocking at the door. Everybody else should be afraid of me knocking at their door. Um, and here we have the opposite of that. If you played that in reverse, uh, this is this radical promise that, that Jesus is the one in the dark, the one that we can't see moving. Um, and so the darkness, the unknown, is not a thing to be feared, but a thing to to walk boldly into trusting that Jesus is the one we will find knocking at the door. Wow. Well done. Uh, I mean, that's better than me because I was thinking of a reference from 20 years ago. Uh, it makes me think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer because anytime the, when the sun went down, that was when Buffy got to work. Man, that was like the, oh. you did not want to be outside because those mm. vampires were out prowling. Uh, and you had to invite them in, inside. You had to invite them in, you know. Um, but that's when she got to work. That's when she got to work. Uh, so, hey, way to come up with the more culturally up-to-date reference than me. Well you, know, done. you know, I well think we've got a shot at getting Buffy on the podcast, though. So, <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller, is that who we're, is that, did I, did I get that right? Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. I don't think she's working right now. So we could, we could, the uh, other thing I'm going to emphasize yeah. and lift up that's a, a real possibility is a secret, it's an Easter egg. <laughs> Do you get it? Uh, it's Jesus. Uh, there's an Easter egg in here. It's that verse 33, the whole city was gathered around the door. Huh. Dear listeners, the door is a euphemism. Um, what or what? It's uh, a euphemism for doors. Is it like foot? Is that what, is, it, is it the same as foot? Oh, it's something else. Okay. Not as good as feet uh, in the salacious TMZ sort of way. Instead, the door, um, the door or the gate is like this. This I don't know if euphemism is the right word. Uh, what it's evoking is a liminal sort of image. Um, Right, you couldn't have the whole city in the doorway waiting to get in. But what it's saying, I think, is that Jesus has gathered this whole town to the edge of this new thing that Jesus is doing. Um, they are just like, these are stories, right? Like if I'm going to go postmodern this, this week, which I would, these are very post, this is a postmodern reading, that the, the mother-in-law of Simon is on the edge of life and death, and Jesus comes to her in that place and pulls her into life. Um, at evening, too. It's not in the midnight. The crowds didn't find out in the middle of the night. They came at the place uh, where the light and the dark are equal. Um, just before it looks like the night will win, uh, the whole city comes to the edge of this place. And in the darkness, in the place where they should not be, uh, just as the darkness consumes them, Jesus pulls them into life again. Um, of course, Disclaimer about the ways that light and darkness have been used. This is an excellent opportunity to redeem the darkness. Um, yeah, I mean, to get back to, I mean, what I was, it made me think of um, the ways that we sometimes think about that we've talked before, um, things that happen at night. I mean, Nicodemus at night, um, and maybe even go back to the very beginning. When does creation begin? Creation begins in the darkness. Um, and so here's Jesus, like, flipping that, like, once again, like, here's a creation moment. In fact, even in Mark, like, that first, that opening line of Mark, the beginning of the good news, I mean, it's almost a, re it's almost a reset button, it's almost a callback to Genesis with that, the beginning of the good news. And here's Jesus, like, um, 
recreating. Here she's this backbone moment of creation that takes place at night. That the night is not a place of death, but a place of life. Or maybe both. Maybe it's a place of both. When the sun comes up, um, in this story, it almost feels like it... It feels that liminal, feels liminal and dreamy. Um, everyone's searching for you. And Jesus is not concerned at all with what happened that night. He's only concerned about the next yeah. place they're going. So it says in the morning, while it was still very dark. Why does that make me think of like the Easter, which Easter mm-hmm. story says, I feel like there's an Easter story that says that and I mm-hmm. couldn't find it. Like I kept looking at them and I was like, this doesn't line up. But I thought there was like a got like a resurrection like an yeah. Easter morning gospel that says, in the morning, what was still very, maybe it's in John. Maybe that's where it tells Sounds John like. But yeah, like this, right? And then he gets up. Like here it is in that like liminal space. Um, and he gets up. <laughs> I don't know. There's, I just feel like there's some foreshadowing uh, in yeah. a weird kind of way, some interconnectedness. That, like, there's a similar melody, a similar beat to what's happening here. Jesus anyway. gives, gives so much during the night. He's healing everyone, or not everyone, but many who are sick with various diseases. It's just extravagant life is pouring from Jesus. And then the sun comes up, and he's not going to talk much, uh, and we're just going to keep walking. we got to move on to the next thing. Um, the truth you find at night, not during the daylight. So this dialogue at the end... Um how you said it's not like they're talking past each other. I mean, there are some classic lines. If you would, if you would just take this line out of context and find that everyone is searching for you, <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could. What a mm-hmm. what a line, right? Right. right? <laughs> that could be true at any time. Like everyone is searching for you, um, Matt, yeah. Matt. 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 Yeah. I found the proof text <laughs> for those of us born to ramble and sojourn and get on trains and road trips. Uh, If you are looking for Jesus, his response, he's in the next town. Uh, You got to keep moving. You got to get on the train, man. (laughs) It's like, you know what, uh, my wife and I watched the movie last night. We finally watched Moana. We finally watched it. Finally saw this film that came out a good year and a half ago. Uh, And, and what's it about? You got to keep moving. You can't stay on that island. Mm, you got to keep exploring to the next island, just like this text. This is basically, you know, your hymn of the day could be how far I'll go. Mm-hmm. I've <laughs> been staring at the edge of the water long as I can remember. Yeah, that is it, Matt. Mm. <laughs> Oh, I like that. that tickles all my romantic notions of any sort of ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is always in the next town. Mm. Mm. I am going to make one connection to Isaiah, though, before we get yeah. on. Uh, one of my favorite um, little, my, my favorite Luther quote, I don't have many, uh, is from his commentary on on the the tabernacle Uh, and he says that that god dwells in the darkness of faith where no light can overcome it um and i find that always to be a comforting image um and the isaiah uh, mark lacks any sort of poetic uh stuff here uh you get the really brunt uh brusque 
brutal things like uh, everyone is searching for you. Good stuff, but not not too uh, flowery. Isaiah's gotcha. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. Uh, and so it's that spreads them like a tent to live in that to me evokes that sense of the tabernacle yeah. as the darkness of faith into which God pulls us uh, this week. And there's a nice back and forth towards the end of it. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? Um, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, even the darkness. Boom. Boom, yeah, and then... Uh finishes with those uh, classic lines. I started reading this text and I was like, I wonder what this is from Isaiah. This one is, oh, yeah, okay, here we go. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Because you got to get to the next it's town. It's nice to use the... <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice to use the complimentary readings. Apparently they compliment each other. Hmm. I've been using those stomach continuous ones for so long last fall and summer. It's like, oh, they connect. Huh. And your connection point for First Corinthians 9, uh, I like it there in verse 22. Uh, I've become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. Um, for me, I think with these texts, it's opening up that kind of cosmic dimension. Um, and if you want to nerd on it, right, like the cosmos is mostly darkness. Um and perhaps that's a much more helpful metaphor for the vastness of God's, uh, the vastness of God, of the God that, that holds us by the hand. Yeah, this is when I really want to, I feel like if I was going to, I've been mostly ignoring the epistles and epiphany, uh, but if I was going to, if I was going to use this, I'd really want to, you get some real cultural stuff going on here, right? I mean, here's mm-hmm. like, um, contextualization. There's a whole section on it, but it's really, in my experience, it's really complex. Uh, it's not quite as simple as to the Jews. I became a Jew in order to win Jews. You know, I just uh, I became Belizean in order to believe. Like what? Like I, I feel like I need to unpack that a little bit. Uh, but uh, but it is a classic. It is a classic text from Paul, and it's worth exploring. Um, particularly if you want to look at the the multicultural piece, cross cultural piece. A lot going on in these texts. I didn't have many notes, and now my paper is full of notes. Full of notes. Thank you, Vinyl Preacher. We've, we're going to take credit for at least one sermon this week on the podcast. Uh, Matt, you've just passed the piece. Okay? Everyone's coming uh, back towards their seats. Some folks are going to go refill the, the cooler, pop some more popcorn, uh, get the nachos out. Uh, but no, don't leave your seats. There's a halftime show. Uh Who's playing the halftime show at St. Mark's on Super Bowl Sunday? <laughs> Who's playing the halftime show? Uh, well, here's I got, man, I got a couple of my half here. My half of these songs. Um, well, I uh, I'm gonna throw out there a song called "The Healer" uh, by John Lee Hooker and Carlos Santana, a little mm. duet there. 
Uh, it's definitely got that. When I played it, like on Spotify, it's listed as a John Lee Hooker song, which made me think it was going to be pretty bluesy, but uh, really the Santana kind of dominates it there. Uh, but the, the, the lyric is uh, the blues is a healer. The blues mm. are a healer. So I wonder if going to that place of the blues, going to that, um, going to that low place, going to that dangerous place uh, that Jesus does here um, is, is where the healing is found. So yeah, it's got a blues song on there. John Lee Hooker uh, with, with the kind Love of a healer. It, Love the healer. it, man. Love it. The, uh, this section in the the last section where Jesus goes and prays. Um, uh, oh, before we get to there, um, you know, he wouldn't permit the demons to speak. Um, so I imagine at that moment, he was listening to the No Doubt song, Don't Speak. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're thinking. <laughs> because, you know, on the Vinyl Preacher, we have to have some 90s throwbacks. Got it. Um, and then a uh, newer song uh, where he prays, the Sam Smith song, Pray. Uh, mm. It's just a nice, uh, it's, it's got a nice vibe to it, but I feel invokes some of this liminality, some of the sense of yearning uh, that I think is present throughout this text. And then uh, finally, for me, uh, <laughs> when I read uh, uh, they shall, well, they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, walking not her faint. Uh, obviously, I think of the U2 song Drowning Man, uh, which features prominently those lines mm. near the end of the song it comes from their album war which hangs on uh, my office wall you too drowning man from the time when they were really uh almost a christian rock band in the early 80s <laughs> really really explicitly quoting psalms uh is what they were doing so that's what i got what's uh what's on your playlist this week before they sold out matt uh I found some new music. I found some new music and some old music for the playlist this week. Um, yeah. Uh, Love Darkness, uh, myself. Found a good new Darkness uh, darkness song. Finally found what you came for. Finally what you hoped to find. Racing home from her house, looking out for black and white. Dark days in the summer, a million ways to toe the line. Can't wait, holy other might as well be the seventh sun. It's local natives' dark days. It goes on hand in hand with fear for wait, the wait, afterlife. Mm -hmm. You kind of say it again. Did you say local natives? Local natives. And what's the name of the song? The name of the song is "Dark Days." Oh, I don't love that Local native. Right. Then, Matt, we got hands. And I looked on the Spotify, and there are literally an infinite number of songs about hands and holding hands and touching hands and taking me by the hand. <laughs> Peter Frampton came up on the list. I was surprised to see good, our good friend Pete. He's doing good. He's doing good. Frampton comes alive just like Ben's mother-in-law. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna go with what's the song what's your Peter Frampton song no I'm not putting Peter Frampton sorry sorry there's a Peter Frampton song Take Me By The Hand no. that I listened oh. to briefly yeah uh, instead Matt uh, I'm gonna go to the 90s and then bring it back to the 2000s um, it says that Jesus takes her by the hand um, singular so we know what one hand is doing what's the other hand doing Likely in the pocket of a tunic. Uh, I've got one hand in my pocket, or hand in my pocket, 
by Alanis Morissette. But I'm going to put a version, an acoustic version by Imagine Dragons, a cover of the song. Uh, it's really nice because Jesus has one hand in his pocket and the other one's holding a probably a dead person. Um, <laughs> we can work on that. Holding a leper. We'll figure it out. I'll talk to Alanis about that. And then my last song, man. The last song is the song uh, that the disciples of Christ sing together as they do the work, uh, as they, they wake up, they are risen and serve. It's um, Dynamite by Tao Cruz. Tao Cruz. <laughs> you need to yeah, make... Yeah. You better make room for my hands, hands, hands. Uh, because they've got a lot of work to do. That's a classic. I remember that one. I feel like I went to a couple of weddings that summer that played that. That was like very. That's what I. Yes. Great song. <laughs> for both my hands. This is two handed work we got going on. Ah! I like it, Matt. And I'm officially late for picking up my daughter from daycare. Um, what's the good news? Oh my god. Uh, let's see. Hmm. He, what's the good news? What's your good news? I'm going to steal your line. I'm going to steal your line. The blues are a healer. That's the episode title. I've already already decided. The blues are a healer. Great. I'm going to stick with that too. Well done. Boom. Good stuff. Good good This is a good good one. This is a good one. We're going to actually promote this one. (laughs) All right. Producer right, Nick, enjoy your, va- enjoy your vacation, Nick. Uh, it's been real. It's been real vinyl. Vinyl.